With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Audio Frontier. Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is Wrestling Death and is scheduled for one hour. Maybe more. It has no real time limits making their way into your ears. First, from a place called Garniston, he is the Pyramid. It's going to be the funniest show ever because I'm all about the comedy and the money, money. baby. How much you getting paid? And his partner, Fader Top End of Stevenson. From Mexico City to Beef Community Centre, I've got stories that are going to blow your mind. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Wrestling Daft. My name is Rob Florence and this man's name sitting beside me here, cuddling up close, is... Hey, hiya. It's Grado. <laughs> I'll say your name. I'll say your name for you, mate, then. He likes to be introduced. I, he likes to introduce himself. He likes I, to and step into the mic. Now, hailing from somewhere in Scotland, a wee small town, nobody's heard day. It's the man himself. The man with a catchphrase, it's himself, <laughs> Grado. How you doing, mate? You all right? What's happening, mate? I'm just sitting here, I'm roasting. Here, what do you think just of SummerSlam, brother? Did you watch SummerSlam? What do Summer... you think of SummerSlam, nah, brother? Man. You didn't watch it? Nah, I never watched it, mate. Um, I watched uh, the WWE 24 documentary and I watched Starcade 88 because to watch it for this week, but I've not got around to watching SummerSlam. I've seen a wee bit of uh, Dominic Mysterio stuff. That was pretty cool. Yeah, um, but I've no good room to watch this. I think I'll go straight to the Randy Orton and uh, Drew, Mc, Drew McIntyre match. Aye. It's worth watching. A, aye, I mean it's it's worth watching the two matches certainly. Uh, Dominic did brilliant. Uh, that was my favourite match of the night with Seth Rollins and, and Dominic. I thought Seth Rollins was brilliant in that match. Um, that boy in his debut match, Seth Rollins made him look excellent. You know what I mean? Um, while also just just telling a good story, while also always looking dominant, Seth Rollins always looked dominant, and it never looked like a thing where it was like people were thinking he might steal a victory. Dominic might steal a victory. Seth Rollins is 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 really really great in this Monday Night Messiah role. Really really great. I'm loving it. I'm going to move on now to Drew versus Randy Orton. You should watch that because you need to see Drew's entrance. By the way, I mean they were spending a bit of money right. on that pyro. It was a bit of pyro, mate. Oh, I can. It's in the it's in the arena isn't it, with all the kind of faces and stuff like that. As it's I say, I've arena. just seen, mate. It's in the Thunderdome. Get it right. Ah, the Thunderdome. That's that. <laughs> I've no. I've only just. I had to Google it and set them on to see what it looked like. I seen all the all the coupons and I seen folk like putting up pictures of Chris Benoit. It was only a matter of time before some daft had done that. Eh? Picture of Chris Benoit was up there. Um, aye. That was that was going to happen, wasn't it? That kind of thing was going to happen. You can't trust people. Don't let people own your shows. What they should have just done is, do you remember Chat Roulette? Do you remember that? 
Aye, amigo, and all that. They should just hooked up to chat relate and just kind of ran it, and so it was just constantly changing. Just guys having a wank, all that oil thing, me would have been brilliant. That's what I would have liked to have seen. That's the kind of summer slam I'm talking about. Uh, let's get on to some correspondence for you. Anyway, summer slam was a good show. I enjoyed most of it. The fiend, the, the the fiend. Come on now, come on now, the fiend. CEB, any harm to the guy because I do think he's a really good performer, and I do like an awful lot about him, right? But to be this dominant character, you've got to have at least one good match. You need to have at least one great match. You know what I mean? He's, there's just something's no happening there. And I feel bad saying it. Let's look at the correspondence for the last episode. Now, Andrew got in touch and he said, listen, I don't know if this is true or not, but it was at the My Hero Awards, right? And Grado went up to my mum after she won an award and hugged her, gave her a hug. Now, is that true, Grado? You hug a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know if you'll remember this. My mum's Pamela Monroe, by the way. He says, good podcast, uh, keep up a good uh, stuff. 100% hug Pamela Monroe. Pamela Monroe is a great woman. And it's good to hear for you, wee man. Um, that's, that was a lovely wee message to hear. It's good to hear for you. If you ever want to talk to me about wrestling, drop us a wee line. Beautiful. I love you and your noise. A brand new, brand new. A, nice, a nice wee hug for Pamela Monroe there. And I've heard for Gredo that much like hill climbers across Scotland, he's planning and doing all the Monroes at some point. So... <laughs> <laughs> some name is Monroe look it uh, Richard got in touch to talk about the wrestling moves and shoot fights part he says back in high school I saw someone in my year had a, pr- a pretty decent tilt a world slam on the school bully after being made a fun of for their height very nice while Phallic Baldwin got in touch great username Phallic Baldwin proclaimed guy in my school won a fight by rolling up another guy in a small package <laughs> Uh, Will Will Jakes says, remember the WC Nitro game rants? This one's a class. Oh my God, I do remember this. I do remember this when you went to the character select screen. Is this what we're playing? Play a clip, please. Hey man, here's Alex Wright, the German. If you want to know what the Germans are about, pick me and you're going to have a hell of a victory. I promise. Beautiful. That's beautiful. A hell of a victory. Oh my God. Alex Wright, man. I do want to know what Germans are all about. I've always <laughs> wanted to know that. After the shout for ideas for a new theme for Grado, after Like a Prayer was cut off by the WWE Network, bastards, a few suggestions came, came in and they include Pablo suggests go hardcore German industrial. It was the future in the 90s, so it must be relevant now. Uh, Patrick mm-hmm. Domo says, why not go full Dusty Roads and have the Wheel of Fortune theme? Surely the rights are well cheap, but they won't be. The rights what, was the wheel, what was the Wheel of Fortune theme? I can't remember that. Yeah. Oh, I'm. You're getting that sounds when you did that sounds like the quantum leap. Gold and for gold, the heat is on. The time is right. It's for you, for you to play the game. Everyone's something and everyone's trying, trying to be the best that you can. When you go in for gold and for gold, it's yourself. That's brilliant. That would be good, right? I think so. Nah. I, I was thinking, blankety blank, blankety blank, blankety blank, blankety blank. Okay, we good. What about... <laughs> oh, well. It's yourself. Well, if, <laughs> if, me, if me and Barrymore team up, that is the move that I'm going to use. <laughs> is that Family Fortunes? You should go, you should it's a great old family. Whole, you should go for a whole 
strike at lucky themed gimmick. Aye, the your thing. finisher could finish, be the hot spot. Aye, finisher called a hot spot. You'd be like, what is a hot spot? No, hot spot. I get hot spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wait, that's a good idea. And then when I win the fight, uh, or or just when I'm G'ing up the wee boot, the countdown music starts. Did it, did it, did it, did it. Hit one, two, three. Oh, <laughs> aye, aye. Like some kind of game show gimmick match would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Um, oh, that's a great idea. We're a big deal you spin it to see what weapon you use and all that kind of stuff. It'd be brilliant. Loads of stuff you put in. Graham generation says... Game. Oh, sorry, mate. No, no, no. So what? Generation game what? Conveyor belt? Do you know Conveyor belt and then there's like fucking wrestlers and then they, they jump off the conveyor belt and you have to fight them. <laughs> that's good, mate. And it moves on to the next one. That's good, mate. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. Bollocks. There's weapons on the conveyor belt. That's better. Ah, but to use them, you need to memorize them. To use them, you need to memorize them. You need to go kendo stick. There was a kendo stick, a steel chair. Uh, there was a stapler. <laughs> there was a bit of paper today, a paper cut. Aye, and every every one that you remember, you get to use in the match. That's it, mate. Beautiful. Uh, Graham says, take the high road theme, but get Calvin Harris to remix it. How, how did take a high road go again? Jamie Kerr says a modernised version of the Only Fools and Horses theme. Swap the bum bag for a money in the bank size suitcase. The snap back for a flat cap. Just a, you, what are you talking about? The guy's struggling to get rights to use his theme and you're suggesting things like Only Fools and Horses. Get, get, get a life, mate. You get that cheap though, the Only Fools and Horses. No, you wouldn't, mate. David no, you would I no, the only fools and horses thing you'd be all right with. No, no, mate. I, I, very I done naive. Mate. I done comic con with Woody Com sitting next to Woody Com. Molly, oh, Boise, Molly. I, yeah, Boise, yep. And I can tell you, man, he was he was charging about thirty knacker for a selfie. So I don't think that, that's that's a uh, that's dealing with this mob. So anyway, they're going to give you your, the rights. So don't worry, no chance. So this week on Twitter, we asked if wrestlers were footballers, who would be who? This is a, I mean, obviously John asked this. I would never ask this on Twitter, but John asked it. Greg Clark says that the Boers would be the Young Bucks, Terry Hurluck, the Ultimate Warrior, the Ultimate Warrior, Vader be Andy Gorham. <laughs> Why would Vader be Andy Gorham? Bob I love ba- that man. Bob Backlund be Jim Layton, Edge, John Terry. I don't see that. I don't see what the fuck, Bob Layton and but Bob Layton, Jim Layton and Bob Banald. What would you call him? Ganglines, John. What was his name? Ganglines. Oh, aye, aye. Matt Hardy. Yeah, we'll I Matt Hardy. Wayne Bridge. Matt Hardy. Wayne Bridge. Uh, did, did Bob Bailey maybe wear fucking uh, Vaseline in his eyebrows or something? No. <laughs> <laughs> Brian got in touch and said Grado was Ali McCoist. undeniable legend, but only to a small percentage of people in Scotland. <laughs> That's no fair because A Shot of Glory was a worldwide smash, a film. So Alan McCoy was well known. He was going to get nominated for an Oscar for A Shot of Glory. Big Mad Andy. Um, I'm going to skip forward a wee bit here. Dave says Andy Carroll's Edge. Big Cass is Peter Crouch. Uh, <laughs> Shinsuke Nakamura is Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> <laughs> We can't beat that. We can't beat that. <laughs> Although Aaron Aaron says Messi is Bret Hart, fantastic but fucking miserable. Which is funny as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Karate Warrior 2, 2020 HBK, Zidane. 
for the mere fact they held on to the follicles too long. Uh, Ped says the shockmaster would be Steven Gerrard. One slip and you never live it down. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> uh, Andy says Matt Hardy would be Rodri Giggs and Ed would be Ryan Giggs. We referenced LT Ryan Giggs shagging his brother. <laughs> and if you want to get in touch with us about any of that, I'll just random wrestling related stuff. Get us on Twitter at Wrestling Daft, on Insta at Wrestling Daft Podcast, and just Wrestling Daft on Facebook or email Wrestling Daft at gmail.com. I can barely read this out because I'm so excited because the real world's champion is on the show tonight. Oh, and I know you, but I'm absolutely delighted, Rab. You've been a big fan of old, old Nicky Boy, my uh, one of my favourite gladiators and an old friend. From the TNA days, although we only kind of crossed paths, I kind of ran him and all his buddies out of town, him, Samoa Joe, all the rest of it. But it'll be good to catch. It'll be good to catch up with the big man. Grado, don't fucking mention gladiators in this interview, right? I'm interviewing the real world champion. Do not fucking mention gladiators in this interview, right? Come on, this is British Magnus we're talking about. Oh, here. come on, here. Separate the good for the bad in wrestling. Let's see what John's written this week. The people that wear masks in the shops for the people that don't. Well done, John. I agree with that one. I, agree I knew you'd one. like that one. What am I going to put over this week? This week, I'm going to put over Dominic Mysterio. It's as simple as that. The pressure, I'm trying to imagine the pressure of going out for your debut wrestling match in a WWE facing somebody as good as Seth Rollins at fucking SummerSlam in front of your dad. Oh, and by the way, your dad's Rey Mysterio. Trying to imagine the pressure in it. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's done well. But, but see, what I ask is, was it, see, SummerSlam, was it filmed live or was it one of the pre-recorded things? Um, oh, no, it must have been live because everybody was in Zoom, wasn't it? Mate, it was live. Of course oh, it was live. because you know what? I was going to sit there and kind of, listen, I've met Dominic and he's a brand new, he's a fucking great wee guy. He was taller than me, to be honest with you. I was about to say, aye, but come on, if he makes an arse it, man, he'll just hit pause on the button and go, hey, do that again. But it was live, no, so it was live. fair play, man. Fair play, we, we, man. man. we mm-hmm. see the next big WWE pay-per-view, which I think is Sunday mm-hmm. night, by the way. I think it's Sunday night. It's payback. Um, we should try and get on that fucking, on the screens. The same thing. We should try and get on the screens, on the, on the, in the Thunderdome. Uh, how amazing would that be? If we were on it, right. I'm going to see how message somebody. I may message somebody to see if we can get us a wee, a wee guest. <laughs> I, I don't think that's how you go on it. But um, So let's see what the punters are saying. Ian wants to put over Pat McAfee for looking Miller an actual wrestler than most of the AEW roster. Stephen's putting on Dark Order for being the butt, for gone for being the butt of everybody's joke to absolutely destroying the Nightmare family. And Stephen is burying Keith Lee for not making it a hat trick of powerbombs on Drew. Everyone else is going to bury the Thunderdome, so I thought I'd put something lighthearted. No, no, no. I bet you nobody buries the Thunderdome. Westy puts on Dominic Mysterio. He's going to do amazing as part of WWE. I agree. Chris wants to put over Rollins using Ray's wrestling gear for Halloween Havoc 97 when he faced Eddie. Genius, by the way. Uh, it's that wee mm-hmm. attention to detail that makes characters great. And he wants to bury too many heel versus heel matches. The villain Rose, Bray Braun. It's difficult to back a match when everybody is playing heel. It's so it's true, mate. So true. It's so true. The, the wrestling's supposed to be the baby face versus the heel. That's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> Scott, Scott wants to bury WWE for changing Keith Lee's music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Keith Lee's music um, used to be that really cool music for him. And then when he came out on... When he came out on Raw, Keith Lee's music was like, Life is a mystery. <laughs> I mean, well, he came dancing out and all that. It was weird. 
And Scott wants to put over AEW for making Brody Lee look like an absolute monster that he should be by squashing Cody. Good old Cody. Cody's always happy to make people look good, isn't he? Aye, Cody's great. Um, although he unfollowed me for Twitter, I just recently realised, um, so he can go and fuck his soul. But um, apparently um, he's taking a lot of time off right now after AEW, after that show at the weekend. So I think that's a good idea, but I think that shows you, because he's so sensible, he's so intelligent, I think that's a great idea from now to take a wee bit of time off so that when he comes back, man, he's going to be, you know, better than ever. I think it's going to be dead exciting for when he comes back. Do you think that's a good idea, mate? I think it's, I if I was taking some time off to rest and recuperate, I'd need to unfollow you on Twitter as well, Gredo. You know what I mean? Because you, <laughs> you get me too amped up sometimes. You get me too... I've left Twitter anyway. I'm done with Twitter. Oh, um, you actually? Yeah, I've left. Oh, you've no. You'll, no, you'll notice I haven't tweeted in over, like, in like 10 days or something. I'm, I'm done. Um, Let me say something to you. What? No, I just decided. Man, something I just decided. I feel as if you go on it and it's just your mood gets worse and everybody's fucking moaning and I'm just Mate, like, so right, man. You're so right. It's like I've, I know enough. I'd like something to, because Spoto tweeted me yesterday morning, you know that way, and I've got the feeling about going on having to, no, having to reply, but like, I don't know. It's just, a, mate, you're so right. There's something about Twitter that's just. Puts me in a bad mood. Right, guys, if I send the last night's podcast, send us a lovely wee tweet. To cheer me up. <laughs> but also, here's it. I think we need to maybe put a wee bit. I hate Facebook as well, but I think when you're promoting something, I don't. I don't know if Twitter's great for promoting stuff anymore. I think maybe it's we, no. We, it's we, like we need to have a Facebook page. We've got a Facebook page. Oh, there we go. That's, That's right. I just wrote it out. I just wrote it out a minute. I wrote it out a minute. I read it out a minute ago. <laughs> right. Do- <laughs> John wants to pull over a ladder match at TakeOver 30. And uh, Asuka and Sasha Banks at SummerSlam. And he wants to bury the fans that complain about anything if it's storylines, gimmick changes, match. You just let it ride it out and then judge it. Ben wants to put over the backstage clips during Impact, put the wrestlers who are much better than the boring segments of AEW and WWE do. And wants to bury Josh Matthews, ooh, reacting to the ouch matches when his co-commentator is, ooh, speaking. Ruins a good show. Ian? Aye, he's a wee pain in Alsam. Uh, Ian puts over Dominic Mysterio competing in his first WWE match and wants to bury the bell ends that are abusing the good nature of the WWE Thunderdome and putting ridiculous things on their camera. Gredo, we need to go on that. Tommy <laughs> wants to put over the Orton and McIntyre feud. I like it. Feels like a proper feud for Attitude Days. John said that to me off the record mm-hmm. earlier. Or maybe it was on the record. And he wants to bury it underground. Can't be bothered with Shane shouting every two seconds during the fight. Shut up, mate. Shut up, Shane. And Andy wants to put over Roman Reigns' Dennis for having a bloody good sense of humour, providing the WWE Universe with a much-needed laugh during these uncertain times. Gredo, have you seen Roman Reigns' teeth? Uh, it looks as if he can chew an apple through a, a tennis racket, Christ. What's going on there? What's happened to his teeth? Has he got new veneers or something? What's going on? I think they must be veneers. They definitely look like veneers. I can't Which, understand. Which, by the way... Sorry, Gredo. Carry on. No, I was just going to say... I put money down for veneers a couple of years ago. <laughs> Ever tell you this? No, no, no. Aye. And, uh, you know, I, I put a brace in, and when I had to wear this brace for 13 weeks. But me, you shout that, So it lasted, it lasted four hours. My ex-girlfriend goes, take that fucking brace out. That was a fucking brace. It cost lots of money, right? And I'm telling, I tell the guy for two doors down, I'm going, look, I've got braces in for brand new teeth. He says, Whoa, 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 whoa. He says, put a pause in that right now. He says, your character on two doors down cannot have an absolute brand spanking new pair of teeth. He was like, do not do that. Do not do that. 
So I've got a big crack in my tooth. I, think, I can't remember who I was wrestling. I think it was, I think it was possibly Jester. A big crack in the middle of my tooth. And I can't get it sorted or fuck all because there's two doors down. But I, the, more, the, the, the longer that it's took, the more I think it's maybe a better idea. I think I maybe just need a wee kind of polish, a must, couple of fisher seals. It must be harder being on a telly. Yeah? It's a hard life, man. It's a hard life, isn't it? Being, you can't get your teeth done, folks, because his, his role in a hit sitcom uh, means he can't get them done. It's a fucking misery, isn't it? It's a shame. Oh, it's, it's funny you're saying that, because I do actually say it like that, right, practically. You know, um, I try to get my teeth done, but I couldn't feel because <laughs> I thought that. You know, it's a shame, isn't it? You are that. Get more wrestling daft at patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft by getting on that Patreon at wrestling daft at patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft. We've set up three tiers which you can choose to get involved with at patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft. Gredo, tell them about the tiers. Tell them, Hawk. So, tier one, tier one is the current cruiserweight champion, which is $4 a month. On that, you get a patron only chat community. You get ad-free versions of all the episodes. You get early access to the episodes. There's plenty of random bonus content on there. And you also got a video version of the Marks podcast. You can also vote on what you want to see featured on the list of wrestling daft. Tier 2 is the Intercontinental Champion. You're looking at 10 bucks a month. And basically, you get everything in Tier 1 as well as the video version of the podcast each week. You get a bonus episode every month. Up there now, you can get Rabone Wrestling. We are chatting how he got into the business and how he ended up promoting his own shows, as well as, as his review of SummerSlam, which is now up. Also, the second part of the Gredo story, It's Yourself, as uh, we talk about my rise in ICW and my march towards winning the belt of Dane Strew. And you can also join our Patreon pay per view parties, and there'll be one for All Out next Saturday. Tier 3, you're the heavyweight champion, which is $20 a month, and you get everything in the previous tiers, as well as a free wrestling daft t shirt, uh, shirt design of your choice, but you must sign up for a minimum of three months. Plus, you get to feature on one of our shows as one of our marks do a run-in. Plus, you get to do a feature on one of our shows as one of our marks or do a run-in, just like Scott done tonight on the show. So, if you fancy that and becoming one of our patrons, sign up now at patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft as we would love to welcome you to the roster. Woo! This is our new part of the show. It's not really new in the end of our weeks now. As we invite you, the listeners, to do a run-in. Ask what you want, come on. Could be a pertinent point about SummerSlam. You might just want to know Grado's favourite macaroni recipe. It's your platform to say what you want. Last week, let's welcome to the show, Scott Kirkwood. How are you doing, Scott? I'm all right, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. What does that uh, picture say behind you on the wall? Oh, probably some mohan. Uh, <laughs> when, when it rains, look for rainbows. When it's not, look for stars. Fair play, mate. Fair, mate. Fair <laughs> play, mate. <laughs> You're wearing your clippers tap tonight. Oh, aye. aye. Good one for us last night. A big fan. Who's your favourite clippers player? Kawhi Leonard. Oh, no, I was Don't trying to catch you there. I thought you didn't care. But well done, mate. You obviously no, are a fan. Is that basketball or something? Aye. Is. aye. I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. I'm a Nets fan, going, mate. I was going to say, I like the Nets. I like the Nets, dude. Got a cool like stadium. Going to be a good year next year for the Nets. Got a feeling it's going to be a I good like, year for the Nets. I like the Chicago Bulls, and my favourite player is... Fucking Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing, Scott? Did you watch SummerSlam? I watched the... Uh, watch, I didn't watch TakeOver, actually. I watched SummerSlam, but... I didn't watch TakeOver either. That's the kind of thing John watches. Uh, John watches that. John watches... But did you watch... Did you watch... Because um, we've spoke about SummerSlam and all that. I'm pissed off listening about it. But did you watch that documentary on WWE 24? WrestleMania? No. No. It looks... Is it good? It looks. Uh, Do you know it what? Looks, it looks weird. 
I'm talking, right, I actually forgot to say this, right, but there was a really kind of emotional part on this documentary about Braun Strowman, about how he used to be a big fat cunt back in the day, right, and everybody used to bully him. I actually hung a bit with Braun Strowman with Noam, a cu- the WrestleMania a couple, a couple of years ago, and I just thought he was a big daft, right, I'd all these guns and that, were playing with his guns and stuff like that, and getting selfies with him, because obviously, boys from Scotland, I've never seen a gun before, do you know what I mean? Um, but he's, his story's good, man, he was a big fat guy, a big fat guy. And he went to the gym one day and told the guy, says, look, I'm fed up being, getting the piss taken out of me for being a fatty. Going to sort me out. And the guy trained him up. And then now, look at him, now he's universal champion. So I'm just sitting here, no, like, man, no, I'm fatty. No, he isn't. <laughs> no, he isn't. Your story's fucked. Your story's fucked. He's like that. Look, it's so inspiring, isn't it? Because he was a big fat guy, now he's universal champion. No, he isn't. He isn't. <laughs> so, that's that, mate. You know what's the last you don't know? It's actually new. Another fat guy that's the universal champion. It's an even fatter guy. It's the, the fiend. fiend. It's a fucking fiend. The Fiend. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like his leggings. I like his black and white leggings. See, when he came back, he looked like a million bucks. The Fiend. He'd lost, he'd shed some amount of weight. Now, I'm not one of these guys. As I don't think there's any problem with that. You know, I like big guys being, being heavy in the ring. You know what I mean? But it frustrates me so much, man. It, mm. it, it frustrates me, Bray, because... He's, I, I've just got a feeling if he, if he was to shed that weight, man, I think he would be such an explosive wrestler and that fucking does my box. Do you know what I mean? You don't think that about me, huh? <laughs> I like you the way you are, Gredo. <laughs> Scott, what, what would be a good entrance theme for Gredo? Oh, an entrance theme tune. What's right. that one? What's the one that G R A D O? What's the original song for that? <laughs> the one that I had on last week that Dave made. <laughs> Aye. Oh, no, no, no. Aye, which, no, which the original The original one that? is D-I-S-C-O. Is Aye, the original we'll one. We'll go for that. Aye, where does that go like at the start? Um, does it go... Yeah. Aye, that's one. Is that Daddy Cool? Daddy. Oh, that's Strike It Lucky again. Ah, that's fucking weird Yeah, Scott, wait to hear this. See you on the match tonight. Fuck's sake, man, I'm out here. See you on the show the night. We've got the real world's champion, Nick Aldis, on the show tonight. The NWA heavyweight. I've seen the photo. Very buzzing for that. He's class. That's very exciting. He's fucking brilliant, isn't he? He's brilliant. I'm no. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to try and no bum him up too much. I think he's brilliant, right? I think, I, I think he's. And let me tell you what I won't say to him is this. I didn't even realise how good he was really until I started watching NWA Power. I'd kind of, you know, I'd, he'd kind of floated in and out of things and never really noticed. But wow, he stepped up. I can't wait to talk to him. Scott, Scott, would you like to actually make a point or ask the boys a question? Oh, on sorry, aye, sorry. Oh, I <laughs> forgot about that. One, first questions for uh, Gredo. It's a kind of stupid one, but I want to Ken. We might Ken for months. What was Michael Barrymore's recipes like? Were they actually decent? <laughs> recipes for what? Recipes for disaster? Fucking recipe for disaster is good. the macaroni and cheese? No, no, he never gave me... A, I don't think there was a macaroni recipe. It was for a sausage casserole. Funnily enough, I don't know. Right, let's see if I can still find it. Um, <laughs> get it up on the Patreon. Get it up on the Patreon, mate. Yeah. The fucking Barrymore recipes. Actually, see if Michael Barrymore will do recipes for the for the Patreon. See, we'll sling him up, sling him up, took with a, a recipe. He'll probably go for it. I know he's not got much work, has he? So that's what you wanted to know. What Michael Barrymore was recipes he was giving me, I. I. Or, or, or were they good? Were they good? Gredo was a sausage casserole. Were, good? Were they decent? Aye, because there was tatties in it, and um, it was a kind of, it was funny actually, it was a, I think it was an old Rick Steen recipe, Ken old Rick Steen, it's in BBC, so it was like, 
it was like kind of fancy, kind of basically if you're going to the shops to buy sausages, you need to buy the dearest ones. And Steam uh, is that a big pop of pumps, brother? <laughs> <laughs> the sausage casserole was really good. The only problem is when I tasted it, I blacked out and woke up like two days later. <laughs> right, cut that. That's enough. That's my pile. Any other questions, Scott? Aye, this one was for Beaties. So, can, this is going back to football. Da. Talking about, uh, see when you were younger, or even the new, is your missus or your moz had any wrestlers that they used to fancy? Mm, that's a good question. You can ask that the first rap. My big sister used to fancy um, Bret Hartman Hart. I know that for Bret sure. Um, my, my wife, I don't, doesn't really... Isn't he anti wrestling? Doesn't really know any wrestlers. Certainly, like when she was younger, wasn't he really anti wrestling? I didn't like, you know what I mean. So I don't think, I don't think there's anybody there. She fa- she fancies me, obviously, my wife. So I'm thinking she must fancy like HBK. You know what I mean? Young HBK. <laughs> That's what I see myself. There's no the fucking HBK to know. You know what I mean? Probably you, Grado. Funny, right? Because it's funny, right? Because because I've been going to be Stephanie for a year and a half, right? And it's like you're trying to get her into wrestling, right? And you can do things like ugh, it's weird. Like I feel sorry for her because I make her watch that watch that much yet. But it's that way where if somebody that I thinks that, that I think she might think is hot comes on the telly, I'll go, "You enjoying it? He's hot, isn't he? Come on, you know, like, he's good. He's good, isn't he? He's sexy, isn't he? He's sexy. You like him? He's sexy." And she's just like, "No, she's not. No interest in MD. She generally thinks I'm the sexiest man on the planet. Fuck knows, but she says it. Don't she let her watch. Don't let her watch this interview with Nick Aldis. <laughs> Let me tell you that. You know how how mad would it be if your girlfriend or your wife fans if you asked them what wrestler do you fancy and they said Papa Shango? <laughs> That'd be a weird one, wouldn't it? <laughs> Scott, listen, thanks so much for coming on for a run in. You need to run in again sometime. You were good. You're the best there's been so far. Oh, and it's Thank true, by the way. Right. When it rains, you should look for rainbows, and when it's dark, you should look for stars, mate. And you keep looking, <laughs> you keep looking for stars, mate. Right? I'll get that tattooed on me. Right, and I'll, I'll speak to you. I'll, I'll speak to you next year when the Clippers and the Nets are in the final, right? Aye, aye. See you later, man. See you later, man. Bye. Old Ab, have you tried your uh, Harry's shaving set yet? Well, it might look if you're watching the video version of this like I haven't tried it. Believe me, I have. My hair grows fast, and uh, my facial hair grows fast. Hair over my body grows fast. Actually, I grow quite a lot of hair. Uh, hey, I use that. That is luxury stuff, mate. That's luxury stuff. I actually get excited to shaving now because the smell of that shaving foam. I've got a wee bit of a kind of. I'm, I'm needing. I'm kind of looking a bit dirty today, man. And I, after this is finished, I'm going up the stair and I'm going to get my Harry's wee kind of set out and I'm going to slap on that foam and shave away because I'm telling you, see the see the glide. It leaves my it leaves my face as smooth as a baby's body. And in comparison is... to past shaves, man, there's there's no discomfort. The foam smell is amazing, man. And see that texture grip of the razor in your horn? I'm not even bamming these up. I actually love shaving now. That is a luxury foam, mate. You know, that's see his foams go. See his foams go. That is a luxury foam. Have I, I told you about Jeff of... and Andy? No, well, before you go on to Jeff and Andy, I want to hear about Jeff and Andy, obviously. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, but I want to say something. It says on the Harry's packaging, do not use the razor to shave your head. It says that. Don't use the razor to shave your head. It's for shaving your face. Don't use it to shave your head. But see, after shaving my face, I was like, I so want to shave my head with this. Because this razor is so good. How can I not be shaving my baldy head with this razor? And I resisted because I didn't, I wanted to do what Jeff and Andy tell me. 
But I, I, I'm really, I would be curious to know if you, Jeff and Andy, why I'm not allowed to shave my head to it because I want to shave my entire body. I want to be going about like a, a young, you know, you get the, the wee baby animals get born and they've got no hair on their body. They're completely hairless. That's the way I want to be crawling about my house if they're using these razors. Mate. We'll see at the end of the day, right? Jeff and Andy, my neighbour just like me and you, we're fed up with kind of like their price razors. And they said to themselves, let's start Harry's, man. Let's fix this situation. Harry Kent, there was only one way to ensure quality. So they bought their own factory, just like that. Oh, and Jeff and Andy just went out, bought a factory, and they started Harry's shaving. Basically, they took less profit because Harry offers a great quality product for a fair price. That's how well Jeff and Andy are. They're doing great for us. They're amazing quality blades. They're almost half the price of the five leading brands. By the way, I had I had a subscription on Amazon with another shaving company, which was binned for Harry's because Harry's includes everything, everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. They've got a weighted ergonomic handle. They've got five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip, a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. It's got a rich lathering shave gel. And also, if you're out travelling a bit, they've got a wee travel blade cover just to save any accidents. Well, you need a cover road. if oh, you're travelling a bit. You can't be just shoving the razor in your pocket. I've, I've learned from that mistake in the past. Here's what I really respect about Jeff and Andy as well. They obviously couldn't decide whether to call the company Jeff's or Andy's. They went, we'll just call it Harry's. We'll just call it, we'll just take a third name out of the ether and we'll just call it that. And that's the kind of guys there. You know what I mean? You're always thinking about how to... How inspiring is it that they just went out bought a factory, start it up a racing company, and get this, you can buy a trial set for £3.95. I repeat, free, but this isn't it. I'm telling you, we're no lying here. This is real. £3.95. No, the trial set, by the way, right, has got that foam in it. That foam comes in that trial set, and you need to experience that foam. Support our podcast and get your trial set delivered to you including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foam and shave gel, luxury shave gel, and a travel blade cover so you don't cut up your thighs by going to harrys.com forward slash wrestling daft. Right now, that's harrys.com forward slash wrestling daft. And I can't stress this strongly enough. Do not use any backslashes. You just made the list! It's time now for our list of wrestling daft. I'm so excited. Listen, let's just get through this quickly because we're going to be talking to the real world's champion. You know, fuck these lists. Every week we ask for you guys to vote on our list of wrestling daft. This week, just for the hell, it was a choice between the best or the worst wrestling catchphrases. And uh, and the winner was the worst wrestling catchphrases, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your enthusiasm there. Um, let me tell you what I think are the worst wrestling uh, catchphrases, okay? Uh, so here's my list, starting at number three. It's Zack Ryder, sorry, we're that mad. Woo-woo-woo something. What is he saying? Woo-woo-woo, you know it. I like woo, that. Woo-woo-woo, you know it. Fuck off, mate, man. you know it. Garbage. No, I like that, but... I always felt he should have done it different. I think he should have always went, woo, 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 you know it, bro. But he never said bro at the end. He always just, oh, I thought he should have said bro. That was only my sort of critical, my, crit, my critical. Uh, Your only critique is he should have went, woo, 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 you know it, bro. Instead of, <laughs> woo, 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 
You know it. Terrible. Just Aye. terrible. That's my number three. And my number two, Adam Cole, baby, is my number two. An absolute shite catchphrase. I think that's good, man. If it get because of the way the reaction of the crowd gets it, I think that's. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't agree with you. It's Ron. It's Ron. Adam Cole, baby, and I bet we guy. That's we guy. But it works. <sighs> See, I was never. I wasn't a, a huge fan of Rob Van Dam either. Just like think, that, no? be, a bit, be a bit creative. You know what I mean? Um, and by number one. Perry Saturns, mind over matter, I don't mind, and you don't matter. Do you remember that one? <laughs> no, I didn't even know he said that. I Perry Saturn used, used to say after these matches, mind over matter, I don't mind, and you don't matter. Right, which I always used to think to myself, <clears throat> what kind of wrestler says, I don't mind? Like, what, what can I, you know, how does that set ending up? I don't mind. Yeah. You don't matter. I don't mind. It's garbage. Terrible catch. Anyway. Is that your number one? That's my number one, eh? See, there was two, right? I want to mention two, right? I never ever go, don't hate the player, hate the game for Booker T and WCW. I still don't get it. Does that mean don't hate the wrestlers? Don't, don't, don't no, hate no, the no. wrestlers. Hate the wrestling. No, <laughs> no I mean, don't that. blame me. It says, don't blame me. I'm just being like, it's, it's that kind of thing I shift and blame off. It's like, don't hate the player. Hate the game. It's just like, I'm just playing the game. I'm just like, this is the thing, mate. I like that catchphrase. All right, because see, I thought it meant like, like don't hate the football player, hate the football itself. But all right. Uh, well, it's kind of like told. that. It's kind of like that. Yeah. It's like, it's like don't blame me. That's just the way the world is. It's kind of like that. You know what I mean? I like that. There was there was also another one, right, which I thought was a bit forced, right? When uh, Bruce Pritchard was in his second run in TNA, and it was after he had been doing his podcast, and on his podcast, they always go, that's not a rib. That's not a rib. So they made it into T-shirts and stuff like that, and then when they became the GM, it was, hip, you know what I mean? Next week, Lashley, you're going to face Alberto, El Patron, and it's going to be a ladder match. It's going to be a fucking, jet, uh, what do you call it, a lumberjack match, and that's not a rib. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's a bad one. That's a bad one. That's not a rib. That's a bad one. That's a bad one. Um, I d- I'm not a big fan of X-Pac say your ass is grass and I'm going to smoke it either. I'm not a big fan of that. Love it. Love I'm it. Not, I'm not a fan of that one. I'm going to smoke no. your ass. No, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a fan. Let's go and see what the, the punters are saying. Steven says, I am the Miz and I am awesome. He, he knows that's, the worst. My, that's my worst. You hate that's that? That's the worst. And I am I, I awesome. Yes, I, I think that. it works well for a heel. Uh, Ewan, don't be a lemon, be a rosebud. Adam Rose, aye, rotten. Whole character was rotten. Mind him. <clears throat> Emma, mind him. Emma Louise. Uh, that's how, that was how Adam Rose was how British wrestlers used to go on WWE. If you remember, <laughs> mate, that's his rosebuds. Oh <laughs> um, that's right, mate. I was wondering what you meant there, but I mean, there's, a great, there's a great picture of Dave Masterfoot there as a fucking leprechaun. <laughs> it's the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Dave Mastiff is an Irish leprechaun with a tall hat and the green and the mad brown slippers. You need to see it dancing, by the way, dancing. It's hilarious. Emily, Emily Louise says Miz and Morrison with a hey, hey, ho, ho shite. Yeah, it's kind of crap as well. Um, Darren, big big popper pump is your hookup. Holla if you hear me. Fucking awful. Fucking brilliant. I love that. Big popper pump that. is your hookup. Holla if you hear me is one of the best catchphrases of all time. Fuck off, Darren. 
Willie says Sean Michaels' first catchphrase, I don't think so. Remember that one? Anyway, he says it was pissed. No, really? No, I don't really mention that, no. no. Debo, says, Debo says Jeff Jarrett spelling out his stupid fucking name. No. I love that. Let me tell you something about Jeff Jarrett, right? Jeff Jarrett follows me on Instagram, right? He, he likes my shit, right? But I'll say something. When I was thinking about the list of the worst catchphrase, I think that Jeff Jarrett calling people slap nuts is kind of both the worst and the best. It always made me laugh. I'm calling people slap nuts, but always yeah. it doesn't make him sound like a tough guy either. You know what I mean? Slap nuts! I just liked it. I liked it. John says, get these hands. For Braun Strowman, I like that, but the phrase can get... I like Braun Strowman, he says, but the phrase can get in the bin. I don't like get these hands either. It's stupid, isn't it? Uh, John says, Stone Cold Steve Austin's what? catchphrase was fine for the first few months but eventually just became annoying as fuck now that's an interesting one what do you make a what gradle what was superb at the time i bought the t-shirt i remember i remember buying it at the sec in may the fifth may the fifth two me and my mate went to that show what a fucking show that was but it ruined wrestling for years didn't it, it was a pain in the fucking ass it was a pain up. in the ass but what i mean what a what a catchphrase though and and looking at the watch all right Fucking hell, man, that was oh. good stuff. But it kind of did feel... Yeah, Rab. Sorry, mm-hmm. mate, no, you go. No, it's just because there, there was one that seen me there. Hugh said, Vicky Guerrero's excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has to be the one. Now, that, that was one that I did hate, right, as a wee guy. I fucking hated that, right? However, when she came back at the Women's Royal Rumble, excuse me, I, I don't think I popped as hard that night. When she came back shouting, excuse me, I thought that was superb. A very, very effective uh, catchphrase. Um, Chris says it's got to be DDP and WWE with his, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I like that. I was was all right with that. And Scott outrageously says, you can't see me for John Cena. Yes, we fucking can, John. He says, you can't see me is a a great catchphrase. Great catchphrase. So so there we go. might know an underrated one. Rick Steiner's whip was his again. You want some? Come get some. You don't like me? Bite me. Oh, no. No, mate. No, mate. That was garbage. That was garbage. Um, You want wrestling daft merch? You got it. You can have a wrestling daft t-shirt, hoodie, phone cover, trucker cap, or one of a range of Grado-inspired bum bags at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash wrestling daft. Do we have any t-shirts that say um, rap is about to interview the real world's champion? Do we have any of them? We can get one made up. On there you will find designs such as Alexa, who is Graham Steveley, I'm a Mark, Crud, Chips, Cheese and Donner Meat, and I'm a wrestler today. We haven't mentioned Chips, Cheese and Donner Meat in a long time, won't you? You sort that out next week. I've not had any new catchphrases in a while, haven't I? Well, there's been a few. There's been, I want to get the Hulk Hogan uh, quote made up in a t-shirt. And I think after today's interview we'll probably have like Rab Loves Nick. Like a big heart, like <laughs> a big heart, and then Nick. I think that'd be a good seller. That would be good, wouldn't it? And you can even get a face mask to wear at the show. So check out our range at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash wrestling daft now, or check out the links on our Facebook page. We've got a Facebook page. Or Twitter at wrestling daft. And now it's that point in the show where we jump in the Wrestling Daft time machine and head back to the past to look at a pay-per-view for days gone by. And last week, our Gredo picked up Starcade 88 True Grit, which took place on Boxing Day. It was the sixth annual Starcade event produced under the National Wrestling Alliance banner. Gredo, did you watch the show? 
So I watched it the day, but I'm sitting here thinking, our folk actually listen to us, but the folk actually watch the show. I want to know, do we get any feedback, John? We get one reply. We get one reply right. for a guy, and he said this. This was for Paul, and fair play to you, Paul, for actually watching it. He says, the crowd was red hot, wanted to see Kermit give Heyman a doing. Dusty and Sting versus LOD, wow. Steiner versus Captain Mike with Sullivan in a shark cage blocking, <laughs> blocking the hard cam. So we know he definitely watched it because that blocking the hard cam was a right. thing. Um, right, so. But, he, he, what he, what he, what he, sorry, I just, what Paul said there is probably the, the thing that I took away from it the most was the crowd. I mean, they were only quiet ones. That's what you, it was just, if, if you ever want, if you ever, somebody ever said to you, what was 80s wrestling like, I would, I would definitely recommend them this show at least because it was that kind of the 80s crowd that Cornette goes on about, you know, and people say, well, there was a pop and he goes, well, come on, you never heard a pop back in the 80s. That was, that was it. Well, I'm a big critic of Cornette, right? I'm always moaning about Cornette. Um, but that, 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 that's some, a prime example of what Cornette was good at was it in this pay-per-view, you know what I mean? That, that match was hot, 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 hot stuff. Um, came close to being the best match of the night for me. Uh, that match because all the all the Paulie stuff with Jim Cornette was great. I'm just mental seeing Paul Heyman and Jim Cornette chasing each other around the ring. You know that was right. Aye. Aye. Um, beautiful old school stuff. Um, straight for the old school. There was some garbage on this show though as well. I just want to quickly shout out that there was some garbage. I wasn't a fan of the 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 opening match. To be honest, I kind of feel it didn't go anywhere. Didn't go where I hoped it would go. Um, the the Russian assassins versus Junkyard Dog and Ivan Koloff was fucking dreadful. It was a dreadful match. It was some. It was weak. Uh, Steiner and Rotunda wasn't a fan of that either, really. Sorry, I don't want to be shitting on this event. Uh, things, <laughs> things, <laughs> things. Do you, hear, do you think there's MD, do you think there's MD on this fucking show that's listening to it going? You hear fucking Rab Florence just saying that show? Fucking there's a lot of rubbish. Do you think like um, you hear Rab Florence having like, a go at uh, Rick Steiner and Rotunda and that fucking? Do you know what I mean? Do you think? Do you think fucking Oliver Humperdinck's in this talking about fucking... Maybe, maybe. Listen, uh, the, uh, a big step up though with the Wyndham and Bam Bam Bigelow match, so that's the kind of match I'm talking about. That's what I like to see. Um, I thought it was a really good match. Uh, Sting and Dusty Rhodes, Road Warriors, brilliant. That was a hot fucking match. Super, yeah. Amazing. Wow, that was a tag team match. That was a match. Loved um, it. It was... You know, there was some, Sting... I don't talk about Sting enough, you know what I mean? Like, Sting is so good. I think you kind of get, you, you talk about old school NWA and WCW and stuff like that, and everybody always goes on about like Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and all that, but you only need to watch a match like that to just see how oversting is, just how brilliant he is in that kind of situation. Uh, cracking match. It was only 10 minutes long as well, so it was... Oh, and it was just hot action. Do you know what I mean? Aye. Do you know what I mean? Right from start to finish, that's a tag bout you need to see. Even if you don't watch this full show, go back and watch that tag match. Definitely. Having said that, uh, I thought that Flair Luger match was fucking dynamite. I wasn't expecting much. I really wasn't expecting definitely, much. Definitely Luger's be- best match I've ever seen. To be honest with you, that or did it? Oh, know? without a doubt, mate. I, no, definitely Luger's fucking. And it's actually it's mad because when you he done quite a lot after that, and it's as if it got worse, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but, but but then the, the old talk used to be about how Ric Flair could wrestle a broom, right, and and make it and, and make there it work. Go. And Flair is just, I mean, that's his fucking peak Flair man in this. It's like, he, he, he was so, he, oh, you know, he was all his usual tricks were in there, you know what I mean? It was a, it was a total signature Ric Flair match. But um, 
I just kind of went into this going, oh, I'm really not a fan of Lex Luger. I'm really not going to enjoy this. And I was just like totally on board for that. I flew in as well. Like it says half an hour here, but I can't, in my head, it wasn't half an hour. Um, right. It was, it was a, an, an excellent match. So there you go. There you go. I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the show. A couple of stinkers in there, but yeah, there's always a couple of stinkers in a pay-per-view. I'm supposed to pick the next show that we watch, but I don't want to do that because I'm going to go back to you here, Gredo, because I want you, I, I said this last week, I wanted you to do this. I want to watch an ECW match. I want you to watch an ECW pay-per-view because I kind of feel like I've got a, a bit of a blind spot now. Right. Okay. If we're going to recommend you watch an ECW pay-per-view, I always think in wrestling, a lot of your favourite stuff is like the first show of that that you watched. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've always got a lot of love for Royal Rumble 2000 because it wasn't the first pay-per-view that i seen it, but it was the first thing that I watched live, live. on Channel 4 and being blown away. And I remember being being young and asking my mom for an ECW tape at Christmas. I was hanging on a bit. They were like the dearest tapes in fucking HMV, by the way. They were about £22. I always remember that. Because I always remember when I go on Christmas Day, going, that, you can't cost me about £22 for that. You better watch that. Because <laughs> Moz, Moz look at stuff like the ECW tape and gets a lot of shite. Do you know what I mean? Aye, aye, aye. So, aye. But, so I'm going to get you to watch ECW Hardcore Heaven, Heaven 2000. There's Balls Mahoney on there with Masato Tanaka. Um, Beautiful. There is, there's a triple threat. Um, I think with Steve Carino... Oh, fuck, I need to go. I, need to go I love Steve Carino. Aye. So there's there's a lot of good matches. The Sandman entrance is superb, which is annoying, right? Because I really want you to watch the version with the music in it because it does. Because even with the Balls and Honey Aye. music, it's superb, man. I'm sure I'll find it. I'll find it somewhere right. online. But right. I'll, I'll find Please it. Please try and watch Hardcore Heaven 2000. Gredo, I'm, let's do that. We're going to do that. But right now, we need to go and interview the fucking real world champion. The real world champion, Nick Aldis, is on this show. Night and I can't wait to interview him. Let's let's get let's move yeah. forward. Come on. Woo! A big moment on the show, probably the biggest moment since episode one of the show when we had Chris Jericho on the show. But this is a big moment because on the show tonight we have the real world champion. And anybody who's listened to this show since the start will know that pre-coronavirus and the pre-COVID era, I was talking about how the most exciting thing that was happening in wrestling was NWA power. And so it's very, very exciting for me. Welcome to the show, a former two-time Impact Tag Team Champion, as well as being a former World Champion. He's currently enjoying his second reign as NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Again, the real world champion is Nick. Oh, this is here on the show tonight. Nick, how are you doing? Gentlemen, I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, what you drinking my... there? What you drinking? What you drinking there, Rab? A little, uh... I'm having, it's called a uh, Gleva. It's called, it's a wee, it's like a sweet whiskey drink it's delicious it's that kind of it's that kind of show all right it's that kind of show uh nick nick i just want to say that nick is my third favorite gladiator behind (laughs) wolf and jet well we're counting all of them that's that's pretty good then consider if we're if we're counting the 90s ones yeah uh, come on, I, I mean, it was a lot of shite the second man, but you were the man, you were cool as a cat. <laughs> I cannot believe that we have the real world's champion on the show and you've started with a gladiators question, Gredo. <laughs> I won't let you cheat in this, I'm not having you cheating in this, this moment. Right, Nick, I just want to start right away by saying this whole pandemic situation has kicked off at a time where I felt like there was an incredible amount of momentum behind what was happening at NWA. 
And the one question when I heard that you were going to be coming on the show, the one question I wanted to ask is just, you know, with everything stripped away, with all the persona stuff and gimmick stuff stripped away, how how does that feel to have that have that momentum pulled away for you when it really felt like something was really kicking off? Uh, well, as you can imagine, yeah, it was um, it was frustrating, but um, you know, for for us, more 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 from the sense that um, we knew that like WWE is going to survive, you know, AEW, you know, even though obviously they're sort of relatively new, you know, it seems like they're sort of, they've got plenty of resources. Ring of Honor are going to be fine. They're supported by Sinclair Broadcasting. Impact are going to be fine. They're supported by, you know, Anthem. You know, it's like most of the other, we, we'd sort of, I felt like we at the NWA had managed to sort of put ourselves in that bracket almost in terms of, you know, we, we'd sort of managed to solidify ourselves as one of those, one of the sort of key brands in, uh, in, in, the, in the business. And, and like we were the most we are the most sort of vulnerable uh, financially, you know, because we're the only ones who aren't backed by a, a billionaire or a billion dollar company. Um, so it's like everything that's happening is happening on the whim of, of Billy. You know, he's basically decide. you know, he's deciding to fund this. So it's kind of on us to try to make it sustainable and profitable. Um, so I think in the short term, the, 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 heart, the, the, the scariest part was, was kind of like, okay, how do we, how do we keep this thing going? You know, um, I think that there's a lot of, obviously there's, you know, everyone suffered in their own ways. Um, I wasn't, the, the momentum thing, it's, it's funny now, it feels like such a long time ago, you know, where, like, but we were, we were on course to doing our best. We, like we had already with the, with the Crockett Cup, we were going to, you know, we were doing our first arena, like, and we were going to, and we were going <laughs> to, I know it's like a really typical like wrestling thing to say, but we were going to sell that some bitch out, yeah. you know, like we were going to have, like we, we were already on course. We had already beaten our previous box office and we had, you know, weeks and weeks to go. And we'd seen from our previous numbers that we did the majority of our sort of ticket sales in like the last sort of five or six weeks. And we hadn't even reached that point yet. And, um, it just, you know, all the way across the board just kind of looked like, okay, because well, we, you know, we, it was a punt, you know, we took a big gamble on that and, and uh, it looked like it was gonna it was gonna work, and then obviously everything halted. So it wasn't like the in terms of that show itself, it wasn't like you know we we really suffered heavily because of that. There wasn't we didn't lose any money or anything like that. You know, obviously everybody uh, the, the the venue was was very cool with us, and uh, you know, and everything like that. But it just it just it just meant that all of the all the work we had done and all the sort of money we had invested to get us to that point was now, you know, wasn't going to result in anything immediate. Um, because look, we, everyone else, everyone else gets paid to do their TV shows in some way or in, in one way or another. Whereas ours were kind of, we were a bit more old school. Like we did the show hoping we could make it break even with, you know, with ticket sales and everything like that. But the whole point of power was to basically feed pay-per-views and and live events so it's kind of like uh we had to sort of pivot now and decide okay what's what what does our model look like in the in the short term so we pivoted now and was you know we sort of went to a more sort of a premium based model with like patreon and 
and, and stuff like that. And now finally we're sort of getting back to a, some sort of pay-per-view based model. But yeah, it was, it was, it was frustrating, but it's, it was more just, um, more, I was more concerned that, um, that we, that we didn't lose the audience. Right. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. obviously the, you know, we, we'd had two and a half years where we'd really, we'd gone from, I said this in like the opening promo on power, but we, we, we went from a punchline to a headline, you know, like to begin with, everyone was kind of like, Oh, the NWA, like, Oh, what's that? Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, within a year it's like all in and then we're doing our own pay-per-views and then we're doing power. And suddenly I was like, Oh yeah, no, the NWA. Yeah. Great. You know? So it was, so we just, we just couldn't lose that momentum. And I think that the one positive we can take from all this is that we've really seen that, uh, the, the 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 core fan base that we have are like really with us for the long haul you know they've really sort of stuck their flag in the ground with the nwa so we appreciate that yeah i mean i think yeah, you're going to have a, a, a huge amount of goodwill uh because i mean i really felt one of one of my first thoughts when it happened you know when i was thinking about the wrestling scene and stuff and and you were one of the the first people are thought actually because I just felt that you had done a massive amount of heavy lifting I thought to really establish NWA um, to the extent that you know because for me for me somebody kind of growing up watching wrestling and stuff like that the whole real world's champion whenever I hear the term the real world's champion I think about Ric Flair coming into WWE and you know and playing that whole thing and it's incredible it's incredibly massive shoes to fill and I think I've never seen somebody fill shoes that big so quickly. It almost felt like it was an overnight thing for you. That's what it felt like because um, you just really, really stepped up. I thought so. You were you were genuinely my first thought when this happened because, like you say, these other companies have these massive resources, and I think the thing that was kind of magical about NWA Power when it was going through that run was that you could see that the the workers there were doing a huge amount of heavy lifting to pull this thing to pull this thing up and pull it forward. And I think fans really, really could sense that. You know what I mean? I think they could sense that. Yeah. Um, look, the, one of the things that we, and I, I try not to, I try not to cheese this up by, by throwing a load of uh, catchphrases around. But one of the things that we, one of the things that we throw around a lot uh, with the company is traditional values with a modern delivery system. And, a lot of that's evidenced, right? Because obviously we, we, we built the, we, we say built, we reinvigorated the brand based on the history and the legacy of it. So we reminded everyone, we were able to get a hold of some archive, like Houston wrestling footage. So we remind everyone, Hey, Ric Flair, the funks, dusty Rhodes, you know, Harley race, like, you know, all these different guys held this championship. Okay. So that's step one. And we sort of, we bring it, bring it forward. You know, we had to have, credible suitable guys who could sort of uh to your point i, I don't want to say fill those shoes that would that you know that would be inappropriate for me to claim that for myself but i had to believe it in in what i was doing you know what i mean i had yeah. to uh it, you know the only way that something like this would work and i figured this out pretty much from the beginning the, the only way we were going to pull this thing off was that when i everything i said and did i was going to 100 percent commit and 100 percent believe in it so I didn't ever come out and say, I'm the next Harley race, you know, like I'm the next Ric Flair or anything. But I did say like, I'm fully intending to be considered in that bracket. Right. And yeah, that's, that's, 
that's brash and it's ambitious, but it's like, what, how, if, if you're going to do this, how could you not say those things, you know? And, uh, mm -hmm. you're right. You know, the, 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 the boys and girls do, do do a lot of the heavy lifting here, but that's, that's really, in my opinion, that's kind of what was missing from the business is that yeah. look at, you know, we take, take Graham as a perfect example, right? No one else is going to tell him how to do Grado. Like, how could they, right? You know, it's, it's like, but he would go a lot of places and they would, they would say, okay, now here's, here's what you're going to say. Here's how you're going to do it. Here's what, how you're going to wrestle, you know, here's, and it's like, Thanks off. Dance off. Let's have a dance off. Grado, dance off. Just, no, you're right, but you're totally right. But it's 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 right, and it's it's that thing of, well, you're missing out on a giant, uh, on a giant part of the puzzle, which is like that that wrestling isn't acting. You know, wrestling isn't a sport. Wrestling isn't any one thing. It, it's its own genre, and part of that is the fact that the the, the performers in wrestling are sort of their own individual entities and their their own businesses they you, you it's like i always say this you can't have it both ways right if you if the, if the guys are going to be independent contractors and they're basically going to be responsible for all their own shit then they also need to have a say in how they do their shit because you're asking that because you're you're basically borrowing their product and using it on you know in, in your shop uh but it's on loan you know when you sign a contract with someone you're not their property you're on loan to that to them Right. And that's the way we looked at it with all of the guys. Like we, when we, when we were, when we were going around booking talent, first of all, we, we prioritized, we prioritized promos, uh, particularly who's going to be able to handle stickman promos, interviews, not, not, you know, memorize this and walk out to the middle of a ring for no reason with a microphone and, you know, like reel off this soliloquy. No, like, well, you, you know, how, how is this guy going to handle walking out onto the podium, having people like 10 feet away from him shouting and saying whatever that you might have to react to and having a stick man, be it David Marquez or Joe Galley or Sean Mooney and saying like, okay, you know, well, you've got this coming up, you know, tell me how you feel about it. It's a totally different. That's what promos to me. Like when you think of the, the real iconic promos with the exception of like rock and, and Steve Austin, most of the ones you think of, you go back to interviews, you go back yeah. to Flair, you go back to Dusty, you know, and they were interviews. They were, it was, it was Tony Schiavone standing there with a stick. It was, you know, or Gordon Soley or, you know what I mean? Or it was, it was someone there. There was, it was a human moment. And what, that's what we wanted to sort of get back with NWA Power was sort of genuine human moments from the talent rather than this sort of uh, homogenized sort of, uh, production right but like we wanted it to have some organic you know feel to it so with the exception unless someone comes in who is super super green um or if it's someone who who just says hey i want you to you know tell me what to do like we were never really telling them exactly what to do we were just you know it was all very it was all very kind of fluid and bullet points and kind of like hey go out there and wing it and feel it like we, you know, trust me, no, none of us thought with the, with the value system that we had put in place with the NWA brand, none of us thought that like the question mark would end up being this sort of, you know, this character that we would kind of end up being quite, quite a focal point of the show in his own way. Yeah. You know, but it just became this thing where like 
our audience sort of went, cool, like that's someone just for us, you know, like that's our, that, you know, that, that's one of our people that's that, you know, and that was, and it was fresh. Like the one, the one word that comes up more often than anything else when people talk about the show with me is, is that it felt fresh, you know, and it, oh, it's so refreshing. And, you know, we, we wanted to maintain that. And, and we'd been doing that prior to power. We did it with the 10 pounds of gold series too. We said, okay, instead of it being like, let's, let's have it be as close to real as, as possible, as opposed to as far away from real as possible. You know what I mean? Like let's, let's take whatever, whatever's really there and kind of just embellish on that and build on that. So the audience doesn't have to make a big leap. The audience doesn't have to go, well, that clearly isn't true, but okay, I guess I'll just go along with it. Like when we sat there and Tim Storm said, yeah, look, I'm not a big star. I'm not like this huge name in wrestling. I'm a school teacher. You know what I mean? But I yeah. love being the world champion. It means a lot to me. Everyone went, fuck yeah, Tim Storm, get it, buddy. Yeah. You know, and then the I same mean, this thing is the thing. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, yeah. Nick, but the, the real revelation for me was, and I think one of the, one of the real master strokes was what happened with Tim Storm was we we profiling this guy who um who really had so much pride in this belt you know and and people I feel as if right away people were like you need to see this guy Tim Storm because yeah. it shows you that it's it's guys like him it's it's characters like him that really I think go to the heart of what people love about wrestling Go, you know, go straight to the heart of what people love about wrestling, and then it's it's just that whole focus on that belt and his story meant that you know when it came to you and you were wearing that belt as well, you were you all you had you did the same thing. You always had that focus on the belt all the time as well, right. and it's just you know it was that kind of storytelling as well. I feel it has been has been completely lost. People talk a lot about storytelling and wrestling almost on a match-by-match basis, almost on what happens bell-to-bell. And I think one of the things that's been forgotten in wrestling is actually storytelling more broadly, storytelling from, yes. you know, from champion to champion. The actual journey. Yeah, the lineage. Yes, I, the lineage, the storytelling through the lineage has been lost, I think. It's a, at the heart of this, it's a simulated sport. It's, it's an entertaining sport. Like Cornette said, you know, it's supposed to be an entertaining sport, not sports entertainment. Well, you know, one of the things that came up a lot in the beginning, you know, when 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 you get the typical like online fans who are the most, you know, the most critical and the and the ones who, but they're also the, going to be the first ones to watch everything because they're the most engaged. One of the things that came up a lot was. Uh, might be time to update the belt, you know, change the belt. And it was like, no, you don't, like, you're c- completely missing the point. That's like saying, hey, you should update the FA Cup. Yeah. Like, no, dude, like, kids grow up wanting to hold the FA Cup. You know what I mean? They don't sit there go, one day they'll change that cup and then I'll hold it and it, whatever cup that looks like. No, you, you kids, you know, they, they grow up dreaming of scoring the, you know, the winning goal in the FA Cup final. Or the World Cup, or the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? Or like in, over here, it's you know the Stanley Cup or the Super Bowl or whatever. It's like they don't change the trophy because that's the moment, right? Like, and that's the thing. That's the that's the symbol that links the the you know the past to the present. But it's also the thing that establishes the value because it's like that is the prize that makes you the man. And it's, you know, and again, like what, what value would we have in changing it if we have all this footage of like Flair holding it and Dusty holding it and Harley holding it up and then me holding a different belt, you know, it'd be like, no, yeah. the whole point of this is like, it's to link it all together. Um, and on, and on, yeah, a, on a personal level, Nick, how does it feel to hold that belt? Just you, it's, just it's, you as a 
you know, you as a human being, as a fan of wrestling, how does it feel to hold that belt? As a student of the game, sure. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, like I said, we built, we built this brand on authenticity. So I wouldn't ever want to insult anyone's intelligence and lie and say, oh yeah, I dreamed my whole life of holding the NWA title. Because look, when, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't know Gary what the Steel? NWA, yeah, we, we were, you know, the WWF was the, was the main brand. Yeah. Like, you know, I heard, you know, I'd heard of WCW, but I'll be honest, I was always kind of like, oh yeah, that's the other wrestling. You know, and then later, I know, and then I would hear people talk about the NWA, and I would think, I wonder what that is, you know. And then, and it was only way later when I really became a student of the game, and and you know, one of the first guys that I, well, Bret Hart was really my first hero, but like once I really sort of got in my head, like I think I want to do this, I had this sort of self awareness even from the beginning that I'm probably going to be a better bad guy than a good guy. Like I sort of had this self awareness even then that okay, number one, you're English, you're gonna to go to America. I, you know, I'd laid this out in my mind, I'm gonna to go to America, you know, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, you know, but there's no way that Americans are gonna sort of take an English guy as the, I'm not gonna be the rock, you know, <laughs> they're not gonna go like, oh yeah, he's that guy, but I could be Triple H, you know, I could, mm. be, the, I could be the guy that, that, that sort of has everything that he has, but he's just a bit more of a dick about it, you know, and, and, and I, and, and so I started studying Hunter a lot. And one of the things that I heard a lot in comments is, oh, the old shades of Harley Race, Harley Race, Harley Race. So then I started going studying Harley. And obviously I knew who Rick Flair was, but then when I really started studying Flair and, because as a kid, again, you see this crazy guy with the white hair and he's cutting these crazy promos. You just kind of go, oh, okay. But it was only, you know, then when I started really studying him, I started going, holy shit, this guy's the best that's ever done it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, slowly over, you know, in, in those sort of, formative years and then I, I broke in the business when I was 17 but like probably from about 15 you know to you know up, up until when I really started to get serious that was you know that was a lot of my sort of influence subconsciously was okay Harley Flair Hunter you know Brett like the guys who I thought that and even Hogan as a heel you know like I I started watching guys and thinking that's I could do those kind of things. Like I could be like that, you know, and I can put my own, put my own flavor on it, my own spin on it and, and sort of make it my own. So what were your, did you have any real kind of direct inspirations for your run and NWA power, your heel persona? It, it, it really, and I don't think, I don't think I did this. Um, it, it wasn't like I set out from the beginning and said, I'm definitely going to do it like this. But it was there was always there was always going to be shades of flair in there, mm. um, because the thing with being a perennial champion, like the the two guys in the NWA who were the sort of real perennial champions, or at least in the in the in the in the postmodern era, were Flair and Harley, and I think the reason that they were able to do that is because they were able to create a situation for themselves where they were the heel. Like people did go, people were like, God, this guy, you know, like in Flair's case, like, God, this guy's brash and up his own ass. And he thinks a lot of himself. And I, and then with Harley, it was like, God, this guy's a bit of a bully and a bit of a dick and a bit like, you know, a, a bit rough around the edges, but both of them, they were also respected. Like yeah. people, you know, people had this thing where they went, I'll tell you what though, you know, that's, that's a world champion dresses. Nice. 
you know, treats the belt with dignity, make, you know, represents the company, represents the brand, represents the whole locker room. If you go back and listen to a lot of Flair's promos, he talks about the, the he talks about the whole roster. You yep. know, he's, he makes sure to remind everybody that there's a whole roster of like world beaters back there because it not only gets them over, but it also establishes the fact that, and I'm number one. So what does that make me? So I borrowed a hell of a lot of that because I understood the psychology of it. You know, a lot of wrestlers are very like me, 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 me. And, you you know, to be, a, to, in my mind, being a, a longtime perennial champion, you almost have to be more like a team captain. Like you have to be the one that sort of goes, hey, everybody, everyone here is real, real fucking good. But at this point in time, I'm just the smidge better. So then yeah. everyone goes, oh, yeah, you know, like, you know, because if you go, I'm better than everybody and there's not a single man who can take, you know, who could beat me ever. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that's that then. Like you have to have that. You have to sort of keep stoking that belief and that fire that somebody back there can take it, you yeah. know, or somebody from outside of these walls. Yeah. And I know, think so. that really, that really came across um, and your sit down, your sit down chat with Marty that you had, that was just, I think one of the best promos I've ever seen for a wrestling match. Because it was so, because your approach and that sit down was, it felt so authentic, so real. A whole lot of respect for the person you were going to wrestle. You know, a whole load of stuff coming across there, and it was, you know, and it was universally acclaimed that segment as as well. Um, I, I'm just wondering about a segment like that. Obviously, that kind of deviated for the normal uh, kind of promo segments that were that were in the NWA power and stuff. So where did that idea come from today? How, how many of these ideas were coming from you directly? And, you know, and how, how much of that was scripted? Because it seemed such an elegant promo to be completely off the cuff. Well, so first off, zero, zero scripting. Uh, not, not, I mean, I dare say, I dare say that I had, you know, sentences and phrases in my you know in my mind that mm. i you know but it's really i never now there are certain promos that i will sort of run through in my mind particularly like if it's like if it's what i call like a one-way street promo and these are just these are terms that i've just made up for myself but these aren't <laughs> these aren't these aren't anything that is official but like if, if it's what I call a one-way street from where it's basically just like, I'm going to walk out there and Mooney or Marquez or whoever is basically just going to tee me up with, with some sort of generic phrase and I'm just going to go. Then I might, I might kind of run that one through in my mind a couple of times. Yeah. And most of the time it might come out 80, 90% how I <laughs> thought, you know what I mean? And, and, and then like there'll, there'll be a little bit of wiggle room. Uh, as for the as for that that segment, you're right. It was uh, it was it was a bit of a deviation from from our standard sort of fare. Um, also, honestly, the it we did we did it because we knew that it would work, right? It, I think a lot of the time, and again, I, this isn't a this isn't a knock on any one person or entity or anything, but I see segments like that sometimes that are so forced and so contrived and it's just the wrong, it's the wrong people in it. And it's like, that's, an, that, that it's obvious to me that 
the segment was thought up before the the story right before the story necessitated it you know we only we only did that segment because we knew at that point there was enough in that in that story in that in that rivalry with me and marty that that it would it would work because those you know that's that's that, that that's awkward like sitting there and it's dead silent and you're talking back and forth and it's just you know that can be that's hard it can be you know it could it could be you know if it doesn't if if there's if it's even a smidge sort of uh obviously scripted or overly contrived or anything you know it's just it's just painful to watch as an audience member right it's just, you you know you've seen them we've all seen them we know what we're talking we, we and we know yeah. what i'm referring to we've all seen them where you're just sitting there and you're just it's painful it's like oh when is this going to end you know like i just like yeah. just make it stop so it has to be like it, that's the sort of thing where it has to it has to only come when when both when both parties are at a level where they can where there's enough interest in them where the story has enough interest in it where the the stakes are high enough you know where the intensity is there it has to all it has to all be there first, you know, yeah, but when, like I, Rock and Austin did it. Like that was great. I think in a sense though, I don't think you're even giving yourself enough credit here because one of the things that fascinated me about that promo was how powerful it was in the silences. There were a lot of silences and kind of extended pauses and little beats in that promo that you would never see in some of the bigger companies. They would never, they would never allow that. They would never allow these psychological silences and little pauses within within the promo they would never allow it and i think that's when performance really gets a chance to come through that's when you know that's when suddenly everything is elevated to a level of acting performance you know which i think was, was incredibly impressive and and uh, yeah. that segment I mean, so i, I don't I mean, think i guess i, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit there acting, to be honest. i guess but yeah yeah it's a kind of method acting um but i mean it's an interesting thing i've always thought since seeing a lot of the promos in NWA Power, but particularly yourself, that that you get a bit of time. You get a bit of time to put a promo across. And, you know, I was just thinking there, there's, there might be more performers out there. There might be more workers in the wrestling game who just have never had that bit of time to properly develop a promo. And I don't mean time to develop a promo off screen, but I mean time to properly develop a promo while the camera is turned on. Uh, What's next for you, Nick? Like, I mean, what? How did? Do, how does the future look? Obviously, none of us know how the future looks because everything's in flux still. But you seem like a guy who always has a game plan. So, what? What is the game plan right now for you? Sure. Well, so we we um we pivoted the you know we pivoted the the model the business model with the NWA to 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 allow for Patreon and, and, you know, to sort of add that revenue stream and sort of start pushing stuff more towards some of, you know, it's a premium content for some of our more dedicated fans, which obviously helps uh, sort of stem the bleeding a little bit. Um, and now uh, we, you know, we, we've always had a, a relationship with, with David Marquez out in, in uh, California. Um, he has championship wrestling from Hollywood and Arizona and he's sort of got uh, local, you know, TV distribution and syndication and a bunch of networks and stuff. So we, we that's, and, and anyone who's seen some of the early days of the 10 pounds of gold and stuff that we used uh, that platform a lot to, to sort of um, help continue our stories because 
we were bootstrapping this thing. You know, we didn't, we didn't, yeah. we didn't even own a ring. You know, we were just, we were just sort of doing, we were just kind of utilizing whatever we had available to us. Um, so he, uh, an opportunity presented itself uh, to, w- through him for a, a, a weekly time slot that will be on pay-per-view, but it'll be a low price point pay-per-view. Uh, and it will also be on fight. So basically in the, you know, in the meantime, um, we'll be working it. We'll be, uh, and this will be starting on September 15th. Uh, we'll be doing, uh, it's, it's a, it's a concept called primetime live where with, with UWN, which is Marquez's group of companies and, and us and anyone else who wants to be involved, I believe new Japan, I think are, are, are uh, going to be participating a little bit. Um, it'll be a, a time slot every week where we can sort of build and execute some big marquee matches, you know, on pay-per-view. So it's not like we're, it's not like the old people hear weekly pay-per-view and they immediately think of the old, the original TNA. They're like, we're, we're not expecting everyone to, to buy a pay-per-view every week. Um, you know, especially, especially with the crowded landscape that we have now, that would be, yeah. a, that, that would be foolish. But what we're basically, what it, what it basically is, is it's an open time slot on, on Tuesdays where let's say some promotion somewhere has, you know, a match that they want to book and promote because nobody, nobody can do live events or if they ever, or there's, you know, there's a few that are starting to happen now, but obviously very limited. Um, it, it's a platform for, for different sort of almost, I don't want to say like fantasy matches, but you know, those kind of matches that ne- might not necessarily happen uh, or, you know, elsewhere, like it's, it's a, it's a sort of, it's a platform for these different things to happen. Um, so we'll, we'll be sort of heavily involved in that. So we actually just confirmed, uh, my opponent today for the first one. So we'll start to build for that. And then basically it will be like, because at, at first we just had the, we just had the world title, you know, but now we have the tag titles and we have the women's title. And obviously Thunder Rosa has, has you know done a tremendous job of establishing herself, even you know showing up on at AEW, yep. um, which is sort of you know indicates obviously an agreement there between between the two companies. And do you have a you, so there's a nice relationship there still with AEW? There's an, there, was an, there was an agreement for Thunder Rosa. Um, right. You know, it's I, you know obviously wrestling fans love to get ahead of themselves with stuff, but it's, but, but, you know, but at the end of the day, yes, there was an agreement there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not, we're not deaf. You know, we hear that we, we hear the, um, we hear the, the response and we hear the sort of the, the pleas for, for, for other stuff. And like, but we've said this from the beginning, you know, like we've always been open for business. This is, we did a whole, you know, I've, you know, we did a whole, we did, we've done all this stuff with ring of honor. We still have the relationship with yeah. ring of honor, by the way. Uh, you know, I, I've defended the title on four different continents. You know, how's well, the thing? It, and all these it, suits, it suits the NWA heavyweight champion to travel around and appear yeah. in different places, right? I mean, it seems like it's... yeah, for sure. So, so hopefully, primetime live will sort of um, will help sort of you know will play a part in that as as we move forward. But uh, I think what you'll start to see is because we're getting to do it at Thunder Studios in Long Beach, which is a really good, high-quality production facility, we'll be able to start some filming some more content and some more matches and stuff. Because, look, the one thing we just we didn't want to do is we didn't want to go back to GPB in Atlanta and do the show with no fans. Because yeah. you've seen the show, like, our show just which it just wouldn't work without fans. Like, it's such a cliche thing to say, but they really are, like, a massive part of the show. 
So yeah. it just wouldn't work. And you had that absolute magic with NWA power where you could have a, a wrestler in the middle of a promo and you could hear one fan shouting something. Yes. You could hear one yes. line directly if you want. And you just you just couldn't beat that. You, you, you can't beat that. And every other company, the, the fans become this... You know, just one big mass of noise. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas right. in NWA Power, you just it just felt so direct the connection. Yeah, and it, and and we made sure that we had guys who were on the ball enough who could acknowledge that yeah. line, and then and that because again, it was that one little thing that could that can remind everybody watching this ain't scripted. You yeah. know, because one person shouts out like "You're a coward," and I go, "Shut up, fat boy." You know, and it's like, whatever. And suddenly it's like, there's no way that that was planned. Well, it's like when you go and see a stand-up comedian and they know how to handle a heckler. The minute you see they know how to handle a heckler, your respect for that comedian just goes through the roof. You know? Right, right. And, and we've you know, got, and, yeah, and we had, and that's, you know, we, we assembled a murderer's row of promo guys, you know, between like myself, Eli Drake, Tim Storm, Eddie Kingston before he went to, to AEW. Like, even like, you know, Aaron Stevens, uh, Allison Kay. Like, you know, just a, a whole crew of guys who just can really command a room on the mic and can go without a script and without any real direction can just kind of can just go out and, and, and keep the people sort of keep the people engaged. So, yeah, that's, you know, until we can until we can have that again, we'll be pivoting to some other stuff and you'll see more more content similar to 10 pounds of gold where it's going to be a more slow long-term build to sort of one key matchup. Uh, and then those things will sort of play out on primetime live. But then we'll, as when we're there in, in Long Beach, obviously we can get a load of other matches in the can and we'll probably get some enhancement matches and, you know, some other sort of fun stuff and some promos and stuff like that. Then we can then start kind of, you know, start feeding our, our, our YouTube and Patreon stuff again. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a, a frustrating and slow burn sort of few months to try to sort of, figure out how to best attack this, you know, because obviously can't break the bank. But um, yeah, now we're sort of... We're, we're, we're but there's a road to... back. The road back yeah, is kind of... Exactly. Grado, exactly. do, you, do you want to um, ask a Gladiator's question again before we before we um, wrap up? Did, did, ever the, did you ever see anybody for the old Gladiators come? Did they come and try and give you tips? You know how like... They John all, yeah. Saint turned up on the sport in NXT UK. Did anybody come and go, now this... This is your time. Don't let us <laughs> no, like they, that, no? No, they did. They did come, but no. But they did come, but no. They all just tried to, to steal a spotlight back for themselves. They, they, <laughs> they all they, they did all come back, but they, none of them were like, "Oh, these, these this is your time." They were all just like, "Hey, when can I get on? When can I get on screen?" Typical gladiators. Typical gladiators. Just a bunch of egomaniacs. And Nick, where can we see you? Did you? Did I see that you've got a wee bit of a relationship with Fight TV just at the minute? You're doing some work with Fight. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I'll be yeah. I'll be doing some broadcasting with Fight. Um, uh, so I actually just shot my first one. I've basically been doing some doing some correspondent stuff, um, mostly covering other sports because you know I've always had a I've always had aspirations to get into broadcasting. Uh, you know, done that with, you know, commentating for Ring of Honor and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so Fight fight came to me with an opportunity to be a, a correspondent for him. So I just talked to uh, uh, Carlos Molina ahead of his uh, boxing pay-per-view in Mexico in a few weeks. So so I had a good chat with him and that'll be the first one going up. And then basically I'll just be sent different assignments, mostly like mostly covering sort of boxing and MMA and, you know, the occasional wrestling stuff, but we try to sort of keep that separation of church and state because obviously yeah. it's a bit weird having 
like the NWA champion talking to like yeah. someone from Impact or something. <laughs> like, hey, you know, tell me about this pay per view coming up. But yeah, I'll be like the yeah, the King Carlos was the first one, and it's cool, man. I'm, uh, it's just it's a it's a nice uh, nice way for me to add another string to my bow. Nice, excellent. And Nick, will you come back on and keep us just keep us updated with stuff? We'd love to have Absolutely. you. Absolutely, yeah, of course. Excellent. Thanks so much, man. Thanks so much for coming. Hey, on Nick, you, listen, see, see, Nick. I was heavy intimidated by Nick Aldis when I first met him, right? Mega. But you're actually, you're cool as a cat. See, listen to you talk. I could listen to you. I could listen to you all night. I love the way all you right. speak. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a breath of fresh air. Nice. Thanks so much, Nick, right? Thanks so much. Hey, and I've been a big, I've so been a big fan. I think, you've been, I think you've been superb recently, man. I just, uh, just oh. I, I really... It's been a, a, an honour to speak to the real world champ. Thanks for coming oh, thank on. Thank you very much. My honour. Thanks, guys. So that's it for this week's show. We interviewed the real world champion and we'll get him back at some point. To, because, I mean, this guy's career trajectory is fascinating me. You know what I mean? I just kind of, I, I, let, let's, we'll get him back on and see. Because really, he could go, he could go anywhere and wrestle anywhere just now, which is interesting. Um, but listen, please rate, review and subscribe to our show on Apple or get us on wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, plus, remember, we now go twice a week and catch us on a Friday and the Mark's podcast on a Tuesday. Great podcast. The boys know what they're talking about. They keep up with wrestling more than we do. More than me and Grado do. Um, this week, you can hear what happened when Gary caught up with Eric Young. It's no Nick Aldis, is it? It's not the real world champion, but keep keep trying, keep trying, boys. I'll try harder next week. Also, remember to get on our Patreon. Patreon is where we're making our money, the new main grade of I've just heard that my sitcom has been punted right in right the next year, so I'm needing as much money as you can give. So get on our Patreon. Yep, if you're already on our Patreon, put your money up, man. Just fling another 50 quid in a month. You won't, you won't know. You won't. You don't need it. We need it. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft. Check out the video version. See we reviews. See we interviews. We things that we fling up on Patreon. That's how we interact. Is and why not buy yourself a t-shirt and all? Like, get yourself a Rabloff's neck t-shirt. Shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash wrestling daft. Grado. As ever, it's been a pleasure, my friend. It's good. The nights are fair drawn in, so it's about time you go. Up the road. And it's yourself. It's yourself, everybody. Thanks for listening. 11. 11. Audio Frontier.